Try not to troll Bert by saying <laughs> squeeze or it's squeeze. It's, yeah. It is squeeze. The episode's called Squeeze. <laughs> uh, it's about uh-huh. a guy named Toombs. How's everybody doing this week? Pretty good. Um, We're recording this on a Sunday. It's yeah, it is Sunday. Yes. It's hot. The... As you are hearing this, I'm sure the world has already ended. But um, at this point, when we're recording, uh, by the time this episode is released, yeah, they haven't passed, uh, you know, any sort of stimulus slash unemployment uh, benefits. Uh, here, here was trying to set you up for a music plug. Oh right, well that would be the end of the show. But um, yes, aside from that, I, I mean, I'm miserable. But also, I finished uh, my my album, which is uh, now available. Well, when you're hearing this, it will be available on all music platforms. Um, uh, Coriolis uh, is the name of the project. Coriolis.bandcamp. Uh, yeah, and because I'm miserable, that's why I got it finished. That's how that's how music works. It is it <laughs> is a very moody album. <laughs> Thank you. No, I like I, I like it, but it's a very moody album. I can see how a sense of I can see how a sense of gnawing malaise uh could help fuel the production of it um if you like gnawing malaise uh check out choreo no um i do uh, it's it's nice to put on when i'm like i have put it on a couple of times when i have been feeling bad in my brain meat and just sort of like sucks no listen the reason i i posted there's a meme going around twitter where you're supposed to post a selfie alongside your like most listened to music and a couple of my friends roasted me because the top of that is my chemical romance and Mm -hmm. Yeah, birth music is not like My Chemical Romance at all, but <laughs> no. My Chemical Romance is another song that whenever I'm having a bad mental, uh, it's a band that whenever I'm having a bad mental health time, I will just put it on to calm me down by having like bad feelings outside of me instead of inside of me. And this is an album that sort of serves the same purpose. What's the opposite of of a romance? Like a um, a, uh, a tragedy? No. If we're talking, if we're talking in terms of like dramaturgy, the opposite well, yeah. of Oh no! More like uh, uh, I think, I think unrequited, unrequited uh, crush. Yeah, it's my chemical unrequited crush. That's that's more of what I'm Un- doing as opposed to romance. Unrequited? I wasn't gonna. Say I don't know it. how you say it. <laughs> I was well <laughs> called out. <laughs> Anyways, I was thinking, Bert, when you said like, uh, or Mara, when you said like, this is music. Um, you know, when I'm feeling bad. I think of that like comic um, panel. Of like the guy, like this is my hole. This is where I belong. Yeah, and mm. this is this is this is music to feel bad to. Yeah, Junji Ito. <laughs> Call back to Uzumaki. Junji and it's also Ito like if you're running, if you were ever like running a Call of Cthulhu game or like a cosmic horror themed tabletop RPG, it would be really good music to have, just sort of like ambient, especially if it was like a more science fiction thing. It's a. It's been a. Cromulent fuck crustable of a year, birdie needy oh drink. God. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we're here to discuss the X Files. Um, more like this, this is more like the Sex Files. Yeah. Well, 
Well, there wasn't. <laughs> I, I didn't find much of Mulder, uh, bratty sub in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a callback though. He brings back um, the seeds, the bird seeds, sunflower seeds. Yeah, uh, he eats those again. Um, anyways, oh, you, this episode... you missed a, just to interrupt, you did miss, you missed a very important bratty sub moment, um, which is where he, he like grabs Scully's necklace and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? And then later you realize like it's a, it's a setup and payoff for another yeah. scene. But yeah, like yeah. it's, and when he does it, you're like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? Well, yeah. this one, uh, Bert, you're the X-Files expert. I think... Mm-hmm. This is a this is sort of a fan favorite, right? Like this is like introduces the character of Eugene Toombs, uh, mm-hmm. who is aka Mr. Plastic, basically. Um, yeah, this episode is um what if what if what if a small man, what if a small bean uh could fit in your vent and and do you a heckin' frighten? That's what this episode is. <laughs> um and eating eating a eating a pizza. Pizza you. I don't yes. know what the fuck. Sure. It's it's basically like if you've ever if you've ever been a person who has looked at your air vent and been like, oh, man, what if a little man came out of there and murdered me? That's what this episode is, which is like that's kind of for me. I mean, I understand like I understand for a lot of people, the spirit of the X-Files is like, ooh, what if alien? What if alien happened? That's me. That's and me. sure. But for me, the spirit of the show is. What if this really random fucking eerie thing I just thought of happened? Like that's a uh, uh, Glenn Morgan and Darren Wong. I think that's the the people. I yeah, always yeah. get their names like backwards. But um, from my understanding, that's how they wrote a lot of this show. Is they would be like, "Ooh, I just thought of like, what if there was this creepy man in my vent?" Like that's let's just I, do an episode. And fucking, those you know? those are the episodes which I was telling everyone before the recording started that I've watched a little bit ahead. Um, and I've also in a weird instance of synchronicity, I listened to a two parter on, this is a, this is a cross, this is a cross plug for another podcast. Just bleep it. If you don't want another podcast plug, uh, on a pod called behind the bastards, uh, there was a two part series on, uh, some, some guy like bill, something, some like the guy who like started the kind of conspiracy theories that became popular around like the seventies, eighties, nineties about like the, Mm -hmm the Illuminati and stuff uh, that was about like that he originated a lot of the aesthetics and a lot of like new world order and like aliens are here and the government is like using their technology. He like, there's one guy who came up with it and like how that propagated. And I, and a lot of the like more alien centric episodes kind of like make me feel politically squeamish in a way I could, in a way I still can't quite pin down, but that ties back to that, like, a lot of the origin of like these specific ways of thinking about ETs and stuff tied back to a man who's like pretty fundamentally like a libertarian reactionary. Whereas the episodes that it's about like, what if there was a ghost made out of electricity? What if there was a man who could squirm around in your vents? What if there was a chupacabra are a lot more like, Oh, we're just delving into the sort of the things that are uncanny and eerie about Americana. You know, the things that occur to you, like, Oh, this would be, it, it evokes the same mood as like, and here's another, uh, here's another, podcast cross promo the same things that like alice isn't here uh evoke of like the things that would occur to you would be fucked up to encounter in the middle of the night when you're like driving across america yeah yeah and like go ahead ahead. well i just said that's something that i think we'll we should like return to next time we do another uh sort of conspiracy i think it's what they're called the conspiracy episodes or the mythology episodes because 
there is something that is uniquely reactionary about this. I agree. But I think what's interesting about it is the slice of like Bertrism meets yeah. E.T., but it's before 9-11 and that has like a different kind of character to it than it does today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have is, to look up the name of this guy so that I can give it to you because when I was learning about his life from the podcast and from looking it up later, this guy who killed Truce is the name of the episode. Uh, Bill Cooper was his name. That he was, uh, he was sort of a pre-9-11 reactionary where like, especially the libertarians pre-9-11 would just, like, say shit that would surprise you. Where, out of, out of, out of one side of his mouth, he would say every American... He would say stuff... He, he would say stuff that would, like, inspire people like Timothy McVeigh. But then he would also say, like, abortion should be legal, and why do you hate gay people, moron? Like, why are you... You know, like... It's, yeah, it, right. it, it's, it, was a, it was a simpler time uh, for the... It was a simpler time for the American chud. Right. In a lot of ways. Um... Another show yeah. of femboys and um, Nazi uh, aligned politicians in like Eastern Europe, and it's just a whole mess of weird sexual right. sublimations. Right. Well, with the show, like I think of the mythology slash government slash alien episodes as Chris Carter, the mm-hmm. guy who made the show, and then I think of all the other stuff generally as. Uh, Glenn Morgan, yeah, yeah. The, the two writers, or uh, the guy who does the, some of the later episodes, but the, just not like, yeah. The other stuff is a lot more Gravity Falls than anything else. Like, Gravity Falls yes. is clearly evoking the Chupacabra Stretchy Man episodes of X-Files right. way more than the uh, Smoking Man episodes. Right. Um, so, but, so like, what? yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to start to walk us through the episode. Um, well, I was going to say the beginning of this episode um, actually has Doug Hutchison, the guy who plays Eugene Toombs. He's like in a, um, I don't know what you call those little uh, sewer gutters, I guess. He's in a gutter, like a like a one you find oh, on the side of the road drain. on a curb. Uh, uh, a rain drain. Okay. <laughs> rain drain? Oh a my rain God. drain. That no, sounds it's, right. It's, uh, it's a sewer. Yeah, it's a sewer. A storm drain. Storm drain. Storm drain. That is the accurate. This is why you, so, but this it's, is why you brought it's, an English major on. But it's very much like uh, I never put this together when I was a kid because it by Stephen oh, yeah. King was not yeah. that big of a deal. But now, because of the remakes and the popular conception of it, it was like, oh shit, that's like the exact same visual where it's just like his eyes coming out of the storm drain and like being fucking creepy. And then he stalks like what I would call a very boring run-of-the-mill businessman through his office building late at night through vents and stuff like it's you you they but they do it very like subtly it's a lot of suspense and horror like you you see um like the the screws slowly unwind from the inside on the vent and then um there's like the business dude like i've never seen a man more excited to get coffee like, oh, like, yeah. the, like the, the tone's supposed to be like, oh, I'm working really late. But he has such energy and verve and gusto, like when he picks up that cup to go get You know, <laughs> it really captures, I, I used to work uh, at Orlando Airport doing, um, like, badge claim, baggage claim uh, repair data entry by myself, like, for, like, 10 hours late at night. 
like nobody else in the office. And I'm telling you, like when you're by yourself, it's just like you're at your house. So like you, when you get up to get coffee, you're just like, eh, it's not gonna work. I'm gonna go get coffee, and no one can buy. It's exactly the same thing. I was watching it like. They, they got this. This is exactly how you act when you work by yourself in an office. And then, like, uh, it, it feels more candid. Plus, like, you know, there's a creepy man in the vent. Um, there's also, like, a weird thing where, like, they get, like, the coffee dripping on the floor. And you're, you're like, blood? oh, that's, like, coffee. blood. It's, like, really gross blood. And then they pan over and like, oh, it's coffee. And then there is blood. It's like, okay. This is, <laughs> it's a weird shot. But, um. And then sequence. And then. The theme yeah. sequence. Oh, the title. I'm never going to get over how good. No, it's the very theme good song for the show. The theme um, song is very good. The animations seem really quaint uh, by modern standards. Like <laughs> the, term is, the term is charming. Yeah, camp. But it's very. Good. This is a. <laughs> They're definitely camp. Yeah, this is in a, a good way. I am surprised this show is not pop, is not more popular among our nation's noble homosexuals because it is in a lot of ways tremendously campy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's due for a rival. Maybe. Um well they tried that. They relaunched it all that. Um, no 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 oops. but like community <laughs> driven I know revival. You. Yeah, sure. Um okay, so then we get the dude. What's what's Donal the actor's Donald Logue. Donald Logue shows up. And he's yeah, that's his his job is smug dickhead with slick back no, hair. That, that, that's his character actor, like that. Yeah, there, I know. There, there's yeah. character actors that do things that, like. Um, Isn't he on Gotham? Like, yeah, probably. I think yeah. he was. I recognized him the minute but I Donald saw Logue, it. Donald Logue's whole thing has always been, I'm an annoying dickhead. Yeah, that's right. his character. When you cast that character actor, he's got a he's got like a nose and like a face that he's got a punchable face he knows can, what he's doing you can just you be know. racist against irish people if you want i'm okay with no that. Yeah. come on now so i think he's canadian i could be wrong but um he is having a conversation with scully in like it's either the fbi building or the mall uh food court i can't tell yeah um i think is this where the 9-11 line the the world trade center line happens yes. i think it is he's talking about how his buddy's got a cushy job assigned to the World Trade Center thing after that happened. I'm like, oh, oh no, we did it. Uh, <laughs> I remember when that happened the first time, folks, and everybody was like, haha, those wacky terrorists. Oh, well. Uh, that's, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> that's literally how it feels, and you're like, oof. So anyway, he's trying to get Scully to uh, leave that no good, that good-for-nothing man she's assigned to, and come with him and be a big miss FBI lady. And something um, I something I noticed in this part, and that stuck true for this episode, but again, I've watched a little bit ahead, and I've seen that they sort of changed this, is that what I noticed is that this guy talks to Scully like you would expect a man in the workplace in the 90s to talk to a woman who is his co-worker. He's, like, shitty and condescending and, like, inappropriately flirty. Um, and then when she goes back and talks to Mulder, and, like, talks to Mulder, like, you can tell he's just, like, chomping at the bit to call Mulder the F, the F word. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you come back to Mulder, and, like, outside of one thing that we'll cover later where you kind of, like, where it seems like, oh, he's, t- he's, t- he's touching her necklace, he's invading her personal space, this is weird. But that turns out to be something else. Like, the next time you see Mulder, it's a contrast where, like, yeah, Mulder is just like, what's up? You want to see a, hey, hey, 
hey, you want to see a jackalope? Hey, like, dude. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, sup, dude? You want to see a jackalope? Welcome to work. <laughs> um, and it's, it made me think, and I, and I still think with stuff I've seen later in the season that, like, at least with the first season, something they wanted to do was to show, like, yeah, Mulder is, like, maybe they have sexual tension, but they have sexual tension because Mulder, specifically because Mulder is a man who does not talk to women this way. And does not, for yeah. the most part, think of women this way. But yeah, they're clearly this, friends first. Yeah, this guy is a sleaze who condescends to women and like speaks to women in the workplace inappropriately. And he's a careerist. He's not especially, yeah. which like fuck the FBI. He's not especially interest, interested in even the fringe good that the FBI is capable of doing. Right. He is a he is a company man and a salary man who is interested in shaping the right hands and. Making the, the right head. friends to get promoted. Yeah, you also like he, get the go ahead. He has that thing. And I think it's a extremely like, corporate culture sense, man, that you touched on. Is that, like, and this is I think the crossover between like why he treats Mulder in that way, and you know why you feel like the F word is like behind his words, like waiting right there. Is that he is that like corporate guy that like sees like every other man that is that he perceives as lesser than him. And every single woman is, like, lesser than him. And so, like, he engages with people from that power dynamic lens of, I'm either better than you or you're more alpha than me. Or what can um, you get me? Right. Yeah. Something really interesting about that dynamic is it's not just him in this episode. It's literally everybody else working on the case except for Scully and Mulder. <laughs> like, they all have that attitude. Like, there's the... um the boss dude, who's also a character actor, who I don't know the name of, um, he's like in the lie detector scene and all that. And then there's also there's the lie detector McNulty? lady. Uh, I don't think so. He's got poofier hair, and he's older than okay. McNulty would have been. You know who I'm talking about. And then um, the guys in the stakeout, um, mm-hmm. the stakeout car, who are like, oh, get a load of this jerk. You know, like everybody, basically everybody else in the FBI is just like shitty and they don't care about working together it's just like this is my case to blow so it's not even just down to him it's like oh wow everybody in the fbi sucks and is terrible it is an awful careerist um which is like true true probably yeah (laughs) but it's just interesting because like i think before this episode they didn't really take that tax specifically yet i mean granted it's the third episode but um um, well, yeah, you get the impression everybody in the FBI is either the smoking man and right. one of and one of his compatriots, or a careerist dickhead who doesn't. They notice, want to be the smoking man. Who, yeah, who doesn't <laughs> notice what's going. Who don't even necessarily have the ambition to be the smoking man because to be the smoking man requires that one how. Like these are not these these men are not even Machiavells. The, like the guy who right. They're not to. smart enough to be like covert about what they're doing. Well, yeah, and yeah. to be a Machiavell requires that one have some sort of emotional, uh, ethical, ideological, libidinal passion for power. Um, right. These men are not even Machiavells in that they are just kind of dullards who seek really like vulgar dullards who seek really vulgar power over like yeah they're like middle managers yeah yeah um yeah so it's very interesting um the plot Um, he's got a case he's got a case that he's having a hell of a time solving and 
wouldn't she like to come work on just a regular case instead of working with Spooky Mulder, which is such a weird nickname to be using to make fun of a guy. <laughs> it really is. And hilariously, uh, the the case is immediately, like, I think the, f- I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, but the, the funniest thing is, like, um, Scully brings the case to Mulder, like, immediately. And Mulder's like, Boom. oh, check it out. I found all all of these cases that have the exact same M.O. stretching back like a hundred years that nobody even bothered to look up. Like nobody because it's like it, the cases are like these people are having their livers removed. It's livers, right? I always get, yeah, yeah. get kidneys. OK, so livers and like by um by like hand, assumedly, it's like a sharp. It's not like a knife, like somebody literally just clawed their liver out. And um, in 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 the specific like region that we're talking about, so is, all Mulder did was like, oh yeah, that's been happening engines. every like. This is before search engines existed. Like, how yeah, he so is, you had to go in the he files. Has he, memor- the he has memorized all of the files, and he mm-hmm. like collates the data in his head. I think it's more. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, it is what you're saying, but it's it's more of a case of like. M- Mulder will immediately see, oh, somebody got their liver clawed out, aliens. So then he will put that on the record. And then, like, 30 years later, he's like, aha, I found it again. And so now when, when Scully brings the case, he's like, oh, I got a hit on my alien radar. Hold on, let me pull. Well, he I, doesn't think it's aliens, but you know. It's, so, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it'd be a case of Floyd Graves? What? <laughs> oh. Ooh, that's bad. <laughs> faux, faux Graves. Thank, thank you, Mary. That was the perfect reaction. Oh man, it took me a second. Um, <laughs> so, but I will say, like, like any good, generally, even decent police work would have pulled up. Holy shit, that's been happening for a hundred years, off and on. This is really weird. And then, well, but I mean, even Scully's kind of like a copycat. No, this doesn't make any sense. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense. Well, I mean, the, the reason that serial killers as a concept exist and continue to get away with things is like they're always like oh the zodiac killer he was a real genius and he got away with it and you actually look at the case it's like it's like well he was probably a cop and also the police are clownish venal buffoons they're so stupid yeah Yeah. it's just who literally don't care like the 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 whole stereotype of like serial killers probably if you look at their profiles they want to kill Lots of people, but they're, they have the yeah. basic observation to go. Oh yeah, if I just kill a bunch of like yeah. sex, sex workers and poor women, nobody's gonna care, and the cops won't investigate it. I'll just get away with it. Well, see, they killed. See, maybe Kim's made the mistake of killing an upper scale businessman. Yeah, exactly. Night. Yeah, but um, that would be it. But I will say it does make sense because you know Donald Logue doesn't care at all about the truth of the case or solving it. He just cares about winning or whatever the fuck he's doing yeah. so um so that they go to science yeah. capital s science to <laughs> solve this issue once Mulder figures out its tombs um they're like okay well look at these stretched out fingerprints well if you make them make them smaller oh oh that's eugene tombs they figure and- out its tombs very quickly by the way they figure out the culprit very quick in the plot of this episode um well i mean Mulder and scully do um, well, I think and also we a- we get to see a lot of '90s mock-ups of computer UIs, which I'm noticing oh, yeah. is a very fun element. Like, there's a later episode where they do the Blade Runner enhance enhance thing, and I <laughs> I just love it. It's like so you just have knowing what I do about software. It's like so you have 
Why does the fingerprint software have a stretch and squish function in it? And why does it have this UI element that (laughs) animates them right beside each other? Computer, stretch 100%. Analysis, complete analysis, 100%. Computer, make these fingers yucky. (laughs) Yucky, complete. It's like like paint. Like, that's what you do in paint? Like, you just, like, take your... Yeah, like, you have to do it by hand. Who automated this? <laughs> somebody <laughs> somebody wrote the code. Somebody wrote the code in, in Carta to do this. It, okay, but, like... <laughs> but, but okay, here's what I gotta say, though. <laughs> this, this is such bullshit. Because, as we are now in 2020, seeing fingerprint analysis and polygraph analysis... Are total fucking horseshit. And 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 Scully has a scene later where she's like, "This person is doing it for X, Y, and Z motives." And like I remember after watching Mind Hunter, Mind Hunters, which made it hard to look at Jonathan Groff the same ever again. I looked up like, "What's really going on with like FBI psychological profiling?" And everything I looked up was like, "It's dog shit. It's made up. It's astrology right. for murderers." It's well nothing. to be fair. So to be fair, uh, when when Scully when Scully does the profiling in this episode. I think you might, maybe if you were watching in the 90s, you were supposed to be like, oh, she's really, she's really got inside the mind. But like, really, the whole episode kind of shows yeah. that it's all astrology bullshit. Like, and the, <laughs> yeah. and the, and the, the um, polygraph is pretty much undone by the fact that like, you know, Mulder asks him completely bullshit questions and gets the hits he wants. And everybody's like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, because you relying on a polygraph test to like tell you no, 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 but they're right the polygraph is right because um Mulder uses the polygraph because there's a spike in well yes one of his answers that like well and Mulder like, points, it's like that's the thing it is it is right but immediately the lady that reads the polygraph is like well here's my interpretation of what that means which instantly dis- disvalues and discredits the entire process because it's like ha. Huh, well, I believe he's telling the truth, so therefore, this is my reason for that. I, like, it's like I wonder a lot when I'm watching yeah. these episodes. Like the thing with the polygraph, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wonder a lot when I'm watching these episodes because we live in a world where all of us have had to learn how the police function, or at least are mm-hmm. intended to function. And I'm watching a lot of these X Files episode, like episodes. Like I'm watching the interrogation, and I'm thinking, like, how, especially with the X Files, I'm thinking, like, so first of all. You're the FBI. You're only supposed to be doing these things in the context of investigating a crime. Uh, And there was a crime in this case, and they have arrested a man on suspicion of murder. In what bizarre universe does Mulder think any of this is admissible as evidence in court? Oh, I don't even think he cares. Well, that's that's the thing about Mulder. I don't think he cares about court. He just cares about figuring out what's going on. Yeah. But then the basic yeah. question of why he's in the FBI. <laughs> because he gets access. Crimes. I think he gets access to this information. He's in a he's in a weird position that somehow works for. I think he kind of likes being spooky Mulder. Like, yeah. I, I mean, he plays into it in this episode. Like they <clears throat> in in uh, the first scene where they invest, they investigate the second crime scene. Um, Donald Logue shows up and, and is talking about little green men or whatever he's like he's yeah, like they're gray men it, yeah. and yeah he they come from vesuvius what or whatever about the other day about like the kinds of aliens uh speaking of i still i want to believe i realize like that's that's me i'm in i'm in the x-files intro i well, want to believe in aliens <laughs> and other people y'all don't but i want to believe i'm the little dude that's flying through someone's fingerprint <laughs> 
No, let me tell you how bad. Let me tell you how badly I want to believe, and I'm actually interested in y'all's takes on this. Mm -hmm. I want to believe. I think I'm one of maybe the The only people ever of the of the podcast episode. I think that sentience, the way that human beings do it, is special, and that there are other animals that exhibit some forms of sentience, but that and this might be just me being a god haver showing. Um, but I think that it is very special that human beings are self-aware and capable of writing and capable of making records of the things that we see. Um, and I think a lot about the fact that we might be facing an extinction event and that we have no proof that any other place in the universe has become aware of itself the way that our little pocket of the universe has. And I get really, really, really sad when I think about that going away. And so even if, like sentient aliens came and destroyed us, I think there would be a part of me that would be relieved that, like, okay, well, at least the universe continues being awake, you know? Um, so, I hope... But I've, everyone uh-huh. else I talk to is like, I don't care. The universe doesn't need humans. The universe is better off with humans. It's fine. And I think that humans are special and good. I, I find... I share that sentiment of, like, wanting <laughs> to have the human species continue. I think that's kind of like influences my drive to have a family is like to contribute to the continuation of my species because I believe my species is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really buy into like nihilistic views of, you know, humanity is flawed and evil and broken. I think that's actually like hangovers of um, one capitalistic control of people's behaviors. Like, you know, people are like the, to me, there is a very distinct, uh, cross-pollination of capitalist ideology and uh, Christianity sort of, like, working with each other in terms of, you know, embracing this concept of, like, flawed humanity at the same time, like, promoting this idea of, like, we must be managed through capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know, humans, <laughs> like, worst influences, greed, whatever, are not products of capitalism, but they are intrinsic to who we are. They're actually the most base idea of who we are. So I can agree uh, with all of that, but I'm I'm the Dana Scully of the show in that, um, like, I think scientifically emotional appeals or I, uh, the Ben Shapiro, I don't know if, you know, I'm going to do that, I guess, but... Um, you got to talk I've, a lot faster and a little uh, more nasally. Well, you know, let's let's think for a second. What if... Uh, there you go. Let's, let's just Perfect. say Thank that um, aliens... No, I'm not going to do that. So um, I'm what I would say is, like, I always had a concept of aliens as, like... Um, you know, they probably do exist, but it's probably a lot more boring and, uh, I mean, not, you know, boring by the standards that humanity has invented for what they want to believe. That's the problem. I think the problem in wanting to believe is people want, they want the stuff that happens on the X-Files. They want flying saucers that abduct people and do tests on them so that they can understand people and overlord everybody. Whereas it's probably much simpler and, um you know uh honestly in my opinion more interesting on other levels like something like um uh arrival or something like that where it's it's not like they're necessarily even concerned with us um they may not even live in the same boundaries we do or the same concepts you know what i mean like i don't think that i i don't think that they would destroy us frankly i'm actually again that kind of goes back to my initial idea like that our sentience is not what makes us flawed. I think our sentience is part of our evolution. Uh, and sure. Yeah. I think, 
I think that like any sufficiently advanced alien species that came to us would probably look closer to the Federation than they would to like Independence Day. I what I would say I understand, but what I would say is I approach the concept of extraterrestrial life from a much more uh, humble scientific perspective, which is like, um, well, I mean, the aliens might kill us completely on fucking accident without even knowing about it. Like, I, I live with the knowledge that we could be uh, irradiated and annihilated in uh, a matter of seconds by a, a large gamma ray blast across the entire fucking galaxy, like, at any time, randomly. So I don't really concern myself with, like, <laughs> the ins and outs of like maybe the aliens will come save us because it's just so like there's so many different possibilities that it's i find it kind of unscientific that people focus on the one that seems emotionally resonant when it's probably something that's like i think that can kind of cloud your judgment you know what i mean if you if you if you want to believe as opposed to you you know want to find out the truth of what's going on I feel the same uh, way. Yeah, yeah. So objective. I feel the same way about aliens, about sentient aliens that I used to feel about God before I started doing a lot of psychedelics in my late twenties. Which mm. is uh, the Fermi paradox has not been solved. I don't have any particular hope that it will be, or faith mm. that it will be. But if I find out that we're not alone, that seems neat, and I will be relieved. It's neat. Yeah, and sure. I will, and I will be relieved. Um, there are strange radio signals, you know, that are somewhat unexplained we still have proof of identified flying objects yeah it could be like that one xcd xcd comic where there's like ants and they're like you know we we don't know if there's any other organized life in the universe because we keep sending out like chemical trails and nothing has sent any chemical trails for us to observe either where there's just like there's so many unknowns right um i would say like uh sorry the the vast not majority, but a vast portion of our fucking physical existence is unexplained. Like we we can't even really like articulate how gravity works, like on a on a reason level, you know. So like, uh, it's kind of like just there are so many things about the fucking universe and our lives in general that we don't understand that it's kind of strange that uh, aliens jump out at people for some reason. But I, yeah. I kind of get it, you know. In, um, well, in theory, like, it should be on the table, you know, like... Oh, it's on the table. And that's why I think, like, you, you speak to the wants to believe part. I like, a, I want to have that as an option on the table. I have a theory about why we think a lot about extraterrestrial aliens the way that we do and why we only really started you in the 20th century. And I think that extraterrestrial aliens are... The, the ways we imagine them are, first of all, we are imagining them the same way that people have always imagined, like, the fairies or whatever, like, folklore creatures Angels. from another world. But right. I think that they take the shape that they do now um, because, and that they show up in the places that they do, like Roswell and rural areas, right. um, as a form of, like, post-colonial, as a form of post-colonial, like, moral reckoning and dread. Um, because, like, think about what Stephen Hawking said. is like, I dread the idea that aliens might show up because look mm. what happened to indigenous peoples when Europeans showed up. Right. And it is a fear that someone else is out there who could do this to us. Yep. And, and an anxiety that there are no more frontiers which we might colonize. That there are no yeah. more peoples that we might meet and colonize. Again. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to reconcile, like, the unexplainable aspects of our own humanity and histories and yeah. things like that. Well, well, not just that, but I, I think, Mayor, like, what you're saying is, like, 
it's not there to reconcile. It's the idea that I could be a subject mm-hmm. or I mm-hmm. could be an, a subject of something. Whereas before other people have been the subjects of me. Yeah. Like that sort of like that inversion of that relationship <laughs> yeah. is yeah. terrifying for, yeah. for a colonial, per, from a colonial perspective. Sure. The but, colonizer. But I think, we've, so, I think we've gone off the rails. Yeah. Eugene Toombs <laughs> steals people's livers. Um, so they, they, I like um, this podcast. Don't feel like this. Focus I know. On, like this, like, these questions. No, it's great. It's episode. a great discussion. But but Mulder finds in the first place he finds um, the metal filings from the vent, which immediately Donal looks like, "Wow, you think you think the small boy got in through the vent? What a weirdo!" And then he also finds a big, long. It's probably like three inches, four inches uh, fingerprint, which I think normally you'd be like, "Wow, that guy pulled his finger along the vent," but like Mulder's like, "Nope, it's." It's intact, so it's like a big old finger, and then um, fig old finger, uh, fig old finger, and then um, there's another guy who gets killed in his house. Um, Eugene Toombs is working as a he works like for a, the pound or something animal. Uh, animal control. He's pest animal control. control, which is right. which is his which is his uh, alibi for sneaking around in vents and stuff. And yeah, he yeah. sneaks in through his chimney. Um, Using an amazing uh, padded ass. I don't know what was going on with with his ass <laughs> in this scene, but Katie brought this uh, up. Quality SFX. Yes, um, he sneaks in through his chimney and takes his snow globe, and then yeah, he takes um, a trophy. Yes, then they do a stakeout. Well, Scully does a stakeout. They catch him um, in a vent. They actually catch him and bring him into custody. And specifically, he, Mulder does like Mulder. Mulder well, Mulder actually discounted. Out. He actually discounted that the stakeout was going to work. He's like, "You're but looking in the wrong place. It. He won't come here." Yes, but he crashed it, and he was the one who was like, "Whoa, what's going on over here with these noises?" And then yeah. he comes and gets Scully. Yeah. Um. And then they find him. They capture him. They do the polygraph test, and uh, Mulder asks him, "Is he over a hundred years old? And has he ever been to uh, a specific farmhouse?" And they ask him in 1932 or whenever, like Which a million years ago. My yeah. stats would also go through the roof if somebody asked me that because I'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about, mm-hmm. man? What is this? I just got arrested. Fair- I just got arrested. Is this for your fucking zine? What are you doing?" <laughs> and Doug Hutchinson, who plays Eugene Toombs, is, is uh, plays this like very um, coolly. He's he's sitting there, and they ask him questions. He's like, "Yes, no, <laughs> yes," and like that. And then they get to those questions, and there's, like, a pause, but he doesn't, like, actually do anything with his face. He's just, like, pause, and he's like, no. This <laughs> is like, I'm not 100 years old, I think. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, they get, obviously, Mulder gets hits on those questions, and everybody's like, spooky Mulder, it is crazy theories, it is stupid. Uh, they all get really mad, and then, um, you know, he's a maverick <laughs> renegade, and he's off the case. Um uh, it's a big sequence of events. I think eventually they they go to his house, his apartment. It is <laughs> it looks slightly slightly worse than my apartment, but only slightly. Well, <laughs> they, they visit the the former detective first. Yeah, that, that's, oh, there's a lot going on in that scene. 
that's very i feel like it's tropey <laughs> but it's so fun i don't there's this, old detec- there's this old detective who noticed what was going on in the case and like met eugene in a previous iteration and he's and the like the way he described yeah. it was like guys like why well, i i when i freed the camps in ww2 i felt like i saw <laughs> your evil then and when i looked into eugene Toombs's eyes i saw it again and it's like it's so and it's like you're an american cop like yep. you have done more evil things than what Eugene Jews has killed like three guys. But it ruined his <laughs> life. It's it, but okay, but he, yeah, he, he's, they start like out the scene. Guys. They start out the scene, and he's like, "I've been waiting for you two for sixty-eight years or whatever nonsense." It's like, <laughs> my goodness, he's really playing it up. It's fun, but it's very like it's campy for sure. It's like, yeah, he's like, "I've I, you know Hitler." And Mussolini had nothing on you, you know. It's like it's it's okay, man. Like <laughs> he's just it's a small okay. boy. We're, we're we're on the when the show don't tell, man. It's okay. Yeah, he's really going into it. Um, I think this was left over from the original version of this episode because this episode was famously like recut to have. They had to fix it in post, um, which Why? they did a How great so? job of. Because the original person who directed it, um, everybody hated them. <laughs> <laughs> they essentially got kicked off directing the show and then they had to piece the whole rest of the episode together. Um, oh. Yeah. Like, uh, apparently they were they were making a Scully and Mulder act in really, like, uncharacteristic ways and just doing really out-of-sync things with the show, so they had to recut the whole thing. But, um, anyway, they talked to this old dude. Does the old dude even give them any specific information that is really helpful. I think he just kind of like confirms that it's like, that this was his MO, that they that he was a suspect before. Yeah. Keep, if, keep this is, if this is the same person Oh, now, he gives him the picture, it doesn't he? Him. It's a nice, yeah. it's a nice freak out moment when he gives him the picture and it's literally, it's from like 1961 or whatever and it's the exact same actor and you're like, that's cool. Um, but anyway, uh, then they go, well, after they go to the house, Scully gets her necklace stolen by, like, a sneaky... It's obviously Eugene Toombs' hand coming from the roof. And that's why they did the necklace set up. Like, Mulder grabs her necklace. At one point, it's really weird. And you're like, why did he grab her necklace? And it's like, oh. They've had no sexual tension up to this point, And he has been an otherwise perfectly respectful, respectful co-worker. Right. But once Eugene Toombs grabs the necklace, you're like, oh, they were setting up that she has a necklace so that when he grabs it, you're like, oh, she just has a necklace. Okay. Yeah. But it's still kind of clumsy. It's fine. Um, it turns out that he's stalking Scully. Um, which I, was if very it, dis- I was very disappointed in this part that there was right. like, that there was rape peril in the show. I didn't think that they would go uh, this route. It's... I mean, I think it's... That there was sexualized dread. It's it's definitely, yes, yes. It's definitely man-on-woman stalker dread. So, like, it, it it evokes the same things as rape peril. It's really not... I mean, I explicitly in the show, he's not going to do that. But, like, the way it's shot and the way it's yeah, yeah. drawn out is very much the same thing. Um, it is very fucking creepy when he's in her vent and like they do like, it's like the shining gag. Like they, the vent pops off and it's just his face and his fucking arm in the vent at like floor level. Um, to give the show writer credit, the, the, these, these episodes are someone going, wouldn't it be creepy if, right. Yeah. 
it would be creepy if someone if a did small this. man was in my vent trying to yeah. eat my liver. Yes, it would be very terrifying. Um, Mulder shows up. Well, to be fair, she does. I think she, she does kinda, whip his ass. Like she I whips his ass pretty hard. Like, yeah, she holds her own because I think that's a good precedent for the show that she is a fucking FBI agent and she knows how to fucking whip a dude's ass if she gets attacked. Well, she like I, th- I think she grabs like isn't she the one that like figures out like as she's being attacked she grabs like a handcuff and like puts it on him and then like she handcuffs uh, him to the Mulder tub co- I think something yeah, like that. Yeah. But but boys like her ability to maintain the wherewithal thought in that moment right. to still like do all those things is is so impressive. Yeah. Um I mean I will it's say still kind of yeah, go ahead. I will say like she is an FBI agent, but it like so when they had the conversation with the detective where he was like I saw true evil in Eugene Jones. <laughs> I was like oh, I was like I was like okay, so the, I was like okay, so this guy's a real he's, he's a real fucking monster. Um and she is an FBI agent, but she is one person and like I always thought you know, the whole reason a lot of these things are X-Files is that they are beyond the ken of mortal people. And, like, one kind of startled lady in negligence... One kind of startled, very competent human lady in negligee with a set of handcuffs is enough to... I I think Toomes got in over his head because he's picked his targets appropriately before and he got greedy and was like, mm-hmm. aha, this lady's here, I can steal her necklace, and then get her liver, and I'll be fine. But I, he might not... Maybe he didn't even know she was... No, he would have known she's an FBI agent, probably. Mm-hmm. So he just yeah, got in over his head. her. He'd been following her. And to be fair, to the be end fair. stinger... The, to be fair, the end stinger of the episode, I mean, he's gonna get away with it. He may have so, even... So yeah. I don't think we talked about it earlier, but he makes nests... Which I think is like a really mm-hmm. nice, creepy facet of the character. It's that weird. It really makes this a fan favorite. Yeah, that, that was the only part that remained scary after seeing after after he lost heat <laughs> in his uh, in his schmas with Scully. Yeah, is uh, the 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 idea of a man who just like when he's not out pretending to be human just sits in a dark room staring at the wall or hibernates in a nest like that is deeply fucking eerie to consider. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like at the end, of, I mean, they, they put him in, I don't know if it's a fucking lockdown unit or a sanitarium. I don't know which one it is, but, um, he's locked up real tight and he's like, uh, like ripping up newspaper and like licking it and throwing it at the wall to make another fucking yeah. nest in his fucking cell. It's fucking weird. And then, um, the like, stinger, I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever been in the funny farm or in jail, but. It's a little weird that they're letting that fly. Yeah, they're just like, that's fine. Eh. <laughs> this is fine there. He's, he's got fine. a newspaper. It's, he's licking it up. Don't worry about it. He probably can't kill himself with that. Eh, whatever. Um, so <laughs> he's be pretty newspaper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we literally <laughs> found someone who's a genetic mutant that can like live for decades upon decades longer than normal human beings. That's fine. Oh, the or, police don't believe that. Or, or the, police, the police don't believe that. They just think he's a weird serial killer copycat one, do, one does wonder why the smoking man and like the powers that be wouldn't be interested in potential genetic immortality like splicing this dude open or i guess maybe next time but um, maybe next time they yeah the stinger is um they deliver his food through the little uh the food porthole 
And then he looks at the, the, the hole without the food and he's like, ooh, I could fit through that, which is definitely not sexual. And yeah, they, they like set up the sequel without even, I don't even think this was There's like. The sequel? Um, there might be three Toons episodes. So he comes maybe. back later at least once. I can't believe uh, Toons gets a sequel. There's another episode this season. Um, and Doug Hutchison actually. Yes, it's at the end of the season. Uh, Doug Hutchison actually wrote um, a proposed script sequel to this. Uh, it's named after like a Ray Bradbury story or something. But they, well, they turned it down, quote unquote, for legal reasons. But um, I think it's because it's all like, uh, what if what if Eugene Victor Toombs is actually like some kind of weird Incan descendant god who like preys on me or something? They're like, this is a little much for the show. Um, what but, if he's some kind of space Jew? <laughs> I don't think they were going for that, but like it, he, this this role kind of uh, was kind of a I wouldn't call it a star making role, but it definitely did a lot for his career at the time, and he was super into it. So, like he was always at cons and stuff, and um, this was his thing. He's not. I compared him to Brad Dourif off the show, but like he's not really because Brad Dourif shows up on the show and. That man's ready to work. Like he's already done a lot of work. Well, and, I, and I was saying um, <laughs> that just because there is a sallow, greasy white man doesn't mean they're all the same. No, absolutely not. Brad Dourif is. <laughs> I mean, Brad Dourif's on next level. Like shit. That man. That man can no, he's act. King of the sallow, greasy men. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, that man does like zero wardrobe, just straight I, in. I will say, Brad Hutchison made a lot of this he's so fucking weird and creepy the entire episode and he yeah. does like he does a lot with a little um, i've always wondered what's it like to be a character actor and to know that you have a job because you're creepy looking or because you're like ugly or whatever yeah 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 it's um i guess one of those... as long as the checks cash what are you <laughs> that's one of the reasons i love david lynch so much because like he i think david lynch cares much less than other filmmakers or directors about like how pretty is this person it's like i need somebody who fits this part and if they're like really if they look different or they're really idiosyncratic that's fucking great <laughs> like he'll just throw them in um so like the guy who made shenmu like part of the reason the voice acting is bad uh, the voice purpose. acting is bad, but part of the reason it is has this the weird charm that it does is that the director of Shinmu was like, no, I only want voice actors who look like the characters they're voicing. <laughs> <laughs> and, Do you want to play Lucky Hit? How about Lucky Hit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what you get when they look the same. Um, but yeah, uh, I would say this is the first real Monster of the Week episode. I mean, as far as Monster of the Weeks, it's probably one of it's iconic. It's, it's defined for the there. series. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy they get it right right off the bat. Like they really set the tone for the rest of the show. <sighs> Scully and Mulder, they they do they do they have a lot of fun. They they're they're whack they're yakking it up the whole show, but like um they well, probably have like, less to do on these episodes well, at this point. I think to go back to Mare's point earlier, I think this really starts to highlight it shows how it's not only them together that sort of like chemistry but you see like how they don't work with other people as yes well. yeah and then this is kind of like those things that like it helps cement 
that there's something special about this dynamic and this relationship, like why they work together and why they work together so well as compared to the rest of the FBI jackasses. Yeah, because pretty much jackasses. Because Scully is too smart for the room, and Mulder is too much of a free thinker for the room. Um, and I, I think Scully is almost certainly smarter than Mulder. Um, but they look at each other and they both see they both see someone who is kind of by by the fact that one of through either superlatives or choice, they see someone who is just kind of unable to or unwilling to completely uh, completely conform to the expectations of the organization that they work in. Yeah, I did kind of gloss over it, but like Scully pretty much like throws Logan his cronies under the bus to like defend Mulder at multiple like places in the episode. Like she's yeah. very clearly like fuck all y'all Mulder's my friend and he's also mostly right as far as like like he has a much better mind about this case than you do even though he's a crazy spooky man. Um, yeah. Which to be fair Mulder does find like all the fucking evidence that no one's looking at the entire episode. There's a missing snow globe here. Oh, this guy came through the chimney. And everybody's like, that's too wacky and I will never accept it as evidence because I'm a dumb cop. <laughs> um, yeah. How, how do we sign off from these? Like, I don't. I feel like we haven't found our, our thing yet. Um, what is, what, what close out these episodes? Watch the skis. Uh, sayonara. Uh. <laughs> watch the skis watch it's an old it's, it's all the skies episode. watch the skies being like uh you should check out this episode i'll trust, be files because we're watching all those trust nune uh. <laughs> trust, trust noon <laughs> um i think we should end every episode by telling Everybody, to, I've been watching a lot of LA Beast videos, which I have a question. <laughs> if I wrote a spec script where Scully, where Mulder, if I wrote a fanfic where Mulder becomes just irrationally convinced that LA Beast is a cryptid, then like, <laughs> like won't shut up about it. Scully. He's, he's developed some kind of genetic abnormality that allows him to eat 15 ghost peppers without dying and then puke on camera without feeling human shame. Scully, <laughs> check this out. This guy ate two entire jars of mayonnaise. <laughs> Scully's this the LA Beast got the LA Beast is encrypted. He got in a trash can full of ice water and ate five cactuses. <laughs> <laughs> a trash can full of ice water and ate five cactuses. Uh, you know Mulder would see that and be like, holy shit, holy shit, this guy is this guy is something. <laughs> if I wrote like a if I wrote like a hundred thousand word epic about, <laughs> about Mulder becoming obsessed with LA Beast, but I was thinking about it because him and my other favorite YouTuber, uh uh drunk, just begin and end their videos with like, have a great day. Have a nice day, everybody. So get hey this. everybody. The truth might be out there, but get some good self-esteem in here, in your heart. Get have this nice going. Day. Get this, Scully. Another man in the LA area also ate six cactuses 33 years ago. It keeps happening. <laughs> and Scully's like, he's not doing anything wrong. Like, he's not harming anyone. Even, even if he is like a, even if he is a Bigfoot or something. Come on, like, Scully. Open your mind. Okay. <laughs> what, what are we going to do? 
arrested for being a for being a Bigfoot. He is a very First large it's cactus man. And Scully. With, he is then a very next? large man with a lot of hair who's always wearing a long sleeve tee over a short sleeve tee. Like he's very clearly hiding a lot of body hair. <laughs> Why is he hiding it from us, Scully? What is he hiding? <laughs> I think Scully's point would be my point, which is like I made a tweet that Matt liked where I was like Every time I interact with a man, I come away from him thinking L.A. Beast wouldn't treat me like this. And <laughs> Scully, Scully would get captured by L.A. Beast and he would go like, ooh, ooh, and be, and be, be like a car radiator in front of her. And she would be like, he's not dangerous, he's just noble. He's a noble and kind to be. He's a noble and kind L.A. Beast. Yeah. I think we all, we all need more... Gentle giants in our lives. Yeah, oh hey. I don't care. It might be doing your taxes. It might be talking to that girl you've been into. It might be starting that novel. Go out there and eat the six cactuses that have been... Plaguing you. <laughs> Plaguing you. <laughs> uh, until next time, then, go out and eat those cactuses. <laughs> Get those cactuses. Get the cactuses. Well, bye.